Welcome to Culture Factor. I'm your producer and host, Holly Shannon. Our new season looks at creators, innovators, and entrepreneurs. Why? Because the creator and gig economy is emerging. Talent has gone to work for themselves. The new year starts with the 101, or the beginner guide, for NFTs, blockchain, cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, and all those metaverse and Web3 topics we keep hearing about. We are all going back to school on Culture Factor to understand this decentralized economy. From creator coins to the tax implications of selling crypto, let's unpack these emerging technologies in really simple terms. Join me and feel free to send in your questions. Would your brand like to sponsor Culture Factor? It is your opportunity to be a part of a podcast that is ranked in the top 2% globally and heard in over 89 countries. Email holly at hollyshannon.com. Subscribe to Culture Factor and share with a friend now. Okay, let's start with our class. Let's get our next guest on. So welcome, everybody. We're, I think we're pretty good. Let me get into a better spot here because I'm getting poor connection already. Um, I'm Holly Shannon. So nice to have you all here. Um, I'm sitting next to Alex Kay. Even though it says Antara on his avatar, that is the name of the movie. And I'm really excited. Today, I released my 100th episode. Um, my, my culture factor, I guess, is a century, has a century under it. Um, and I'm launching Alexander's incredible production, uh, the first uh, NFT-funded Hollywood film. And we're hopeful today that you will um, not only hit the link and download the episodes, you can hear the whole background about it, but that you will join us today for some conversation. And we're kind of like leaving it open where it goes. Alexander and I had spoken about um, talking about character development, uh, the Antara character, um, and the rich history behind it, um, the culture of developing a movie on the blockchain, um, how you might be able to be a part of the cast, um, all sorts of stuff. So with that, I would love to welcome Alexander. How are you today? Thank you. Really good. Thank you very much. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I was keen to really uh, get a chance to speak about the cultural side of it because this whole time, of course, it's been about NFTs and DeFi and, and you know, explaining that sort of things. But um, the last time we had a really enjoyable conversation like this is when we were actually shooting our second video. We had the professors from both SOAS and the University of Cambridge in talking about Antara. And um, we just literally rolled the camera for maybe three hours literally and talking and we went deep into the psychology of this guy who why you know how and then um, we really explored the whole cultural side which we yeah we don't often get a chance to do so yeah i'd love to um well let's dig into there i know that that you had enlisted the help of the University of Oxford, uh, Yale University, and a couple other, um, I think University of London, um, some really uh, renowned uh, educational institutions to dive into the history of uh, this particular slave. And maybe you can tell us 
about him. I think understanding the character um, makes this whole experience for everybody richer. So I'd love for you to do that. And I also wanna just say hello and welcome Sherry, Steve, Denise, Brandley, Ope, Hiromi, good friends of ours. I thank you for sitting here. And the others who have arrived, I hope you'll participate too. Godswill, Paul, Nishao, David, Melody, Leisha, and Jane. Please share the room if you would, and uh, please um, feel free to back channel a message or a question if you like. So uh, with that, Alexander, do you want to tell us a little bit more about Antara? Yeah, so with regards to getting the, the sort of um... Uh, sort of the oversight of the, these uh, professors of Arabic literature is because, you know, this, we wanted it to be a movie that you can still watch, you know, in, in 10, 20 years, even in history class. So we wanted it to be historically accurate enough, both in terms of the political backdrop um, and in terms of the, the way people thought in that era, which is a very, very, very special sort of uh, unique time in history. Um, a lot of people don't know that ancient Mecca, you know, pre-Islamic Mecca was the sort of a cosmopolitan hotspot, center of world trade that used to link Yemen with Egypt, with um, India, Persia, um, you know, Ethiopia. It was like the, the, the main place where all of the trading took place. So, um, and, you know, every every nation has had their pride, you know, for the Egyptians that may have been magic, for the Chinese that may have been um you know, um, it may have been, you know, they, there was an ancient saying, the hand of a Chinese, the brain of a Greek and the tongue of an Arab. And, you know, again, Germans are known for their engineering. So, you know, there's different nations throughout time through ages who've had their own uh, unique gift, let's say. But for the Arabs, it definitely was eloquence and poetry. And why it's so interesting is because the poets were, they were the propaganda of the day. They were the communication. They were the history, the chronicle. Um, you know, what tribe tribe defeated what tribe, when, how, um, you know, satirical rants about another tribe. And if you if you were a chieftain, you really, really needed a good tribe. Uh, sorry, you needed a good poet in your corner. It's like having the tabloids, you know, uh, the BBC or whatever in your corner, but obviously a lot more animated and, and uh, eloquent. So um, for the poets, it was the hope for every ancient Arab household that one of their children would grow up to be a distinguished poet. So just to put it into context, um, that's, you know, Antara was the poet of poets in that era. So what I find really interesting is that poetry was used to deliver um, conversation in a really unique way. So like we think now about speechwriters writing for politicians, for example. So poets were writing for uh, kings and queens and nobles. Is, is that what I'm understanding? Exactly. Both, both in terms of, uh, you know, um, launching their tribe's reputation and defending their tribe's reputation. And sometimes a poet may have just had more gravitas or flair or humor or whatever. And for that reason, he, you know, there's that one-upmanship. And these, these uh, a lot of the people there were illiterate. But the, the spoken word was really that what they what they had command over. So these poems would often be memorized by all the people, and memory was like a gift they had. Um, so when a really big famous poet would launch a poet, let's say, it would go throughout the desert around campfires, through here, through there. Because when people travel in caravans, they they share the news. You know what's happened here, what's happened there. 
um, they didn't have you know what we have now with with Twitter and, and what have you. So um, it was the whole culture was built upon spoken word, uh, word of mouth, poetry, people being true to their word. So being able to trust somebody's word was like you know paramount, like really paramount. Um, and yeah, and then so it's both the tabloids, also your reputation and uh, so many things and your history as well, um, all packed within those poems. I think it's really cool. So one of the things we talk about a lot in in all the work that we do, every single person in this room can probably relate to this. You've probably been in a clubhouse room, a Twitter room, or been on social media. And one of the main topics that come up is be authentic. If you're going to tell your story, be authentic. If you're going to show up in a room and you're going to speak about what you create um, or your background, be authentic. And it is always, always the word that gets used, almost overused, to the point where we're almost desensitized and I feel like people don't even know what it, what authenticity really means anymore. So these people, their honesty, their authenticity, and the whether you trusted them or not was how they would emote poetry or how they would share the good word throughout their villages and, and moving you know, if they were moving in a caravan from country to country. So from a cultural perspective, <clears throat> being authentic hasn't changed, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's you know, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's interesting to see how this whole world is really um, kept in order with, with words and, and, and trust, really, you know. Um, and, and, you know, it's amazing that something, because it's on ink, and paper, it's stamped and it, it, it becomes reality and it becomes word and it becomes bond, you know? So it's, it's interesting how humans work and perceive things, but um, it, it's a fascinating culture. And again, just back to with the involvement of these professors is how could we do a movie like this and then not do justice to literary grandeur and to the accuracy of, of that time, you know? So, um, yeah. It's, um, I got a message in the back channel, so <clears throat> hopefully she doesn't mind me sharing it. So, um, Hiromi, uh, who's a good friend of mine here in Clubhouse, um, and she's, by the way, she's like massive on TikTok. She has like millions of views and she teaches that, um, how to get there. But she was commenting that she loves what you were saying about uh, the use of poetry because her father is a karate master um, and talks about the samurai culture and how they have to study poetry as well as the other arts so that when they battle, they have to exchange poems before they battle. Um, and I just wanted to share that. I didn't know um, if there's yeah, any of that that happens. You're gonna take us. You're gonna take us on a journey here, Hiromi. I mean, th this is amazing what uh, what 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 you're saying because it 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 completes a different element of man. You know, when I say man, I mean mankind. Um, it's 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 definitely like even for the Hachi Dam, for example. So you have kendo in Japan, uh, which is like fencing, but you have you know in Japan they've got the black armor and the and the and the bamboo. It's called I think a shinai. It's a it's a bamboo sword, and apparently the exam of the kendo master is the most difficult exam on earth one of the most difficult to pass um 
like I think in I think I think for the legal system the bar in Japan I think is three percent pass rate or something like this. Don't quote me on the exact figures, but the hachi dan so to become a like a tenth degree dan black belt or, or not a black belt but a master of kendo, um, you have to master these principles as well. And it's not just a physical uh, test of competition. After it, you have to talk about the philosophy of kendo. If you pass the philosophical element of it, you can get the hachi dan title. And if you don't, it means you haven't grasped the full meanings of it. And there's people who are like 60, 70 years old who are still trying to pass the Hachidan and they haven't passed it. It's, there's a lot of respectability that goes into it. So what uh, Hiromi is saying about um, that poetic element is it, it expands the heart and it allows deeper levels of understanding and perception for anything. You know, even in business, if you're really good at philosophy, I think it makes you a better businessman as well. So, yeah, spot on with what Hiromi is saying. That is really, really cool. Um, I wonder, wait a minute, someone's back channeling. I want to just say, oh, Hiromi sent lots of hearts on that. She really appreciated the, uh, your your response on that. Um, I, I know it's probably last minute. I know you and I talked when I interviewed you about um, sharing some poetry uh, do you have any available that we could share today or is this going to be maybe tomorrow in Twitter spaces? <laughs> yeah, happy to do both. Um, I mean, just to her only, like I, I, I spent my late teens and early twenties sort of really, you know, delving into this whole area of like uh, the book of five rings and like my, my Masashi was like, uh, the most renowned swordsman of Japan, you know, and he is, He's got a, a book called Book of Five Rings, and he was just insane, like just insanely a prodigy with the sword. And he used a sword and, and a shorter sword as well. And it was it's a very deep book. And um, so you get that in, in there. And then I, I also went to uh, Wudang in, in China, where the Taoist philosophy uh, started. And so in China, you've got the Shaolin, which is like very hard Kung Fu, you know, breaking bricks and all that sort of thing. And then in, in Wudang, you have like the internal martial arts, Tai Chi, Qigong, a lot of meditation and a lot of internal sort of philosophy derived from that mountain. It, it's amazing, like above the clouds and all of that. Um, so these these areas of life are like fascinating. And that's why I think it's so interesting with respect to what we're talking here on the Arabic side of things is it's been done with China. We've, we've all seen in cinema, Hero, Catch and Tiger. We've seen phenomenal uh, cinema, uh, you know, amazing uh, cinematic uh, uh, feats coming out of Japan, and um, but it's never happened for Arabia, you know. Um, but with respect to the poetry, I mean, there's one line of Antara, which for me it sticks out of my mind because it sums him up the most. And he says, um, and if they ask you about me, tell them that I plunge into the uproar of war, yet I abstain from the spoils. And why that's so iconic is he was known as a warrior, you know, obviously very lofty and really respected himself a lot. He would only go for the champion of the opposing side. It was like almost beneath him to just fight with Rifra. Um, so he'd go and he'd fight the, the, he'd kill the champion or the champions of the other side. Once he's done that, he withdraws from the battlefield. And when it comes to the time of taking all the booty and the spoils of war, he won't touch it just to prove a point of how rich he is in spirit over other people. You know, he does the work, people use him for protection. He's the bravest, he does the most, but he takes the least. And I equate that to like Floyd Mayweather or, or Muhammad Ali winning the world championship, the 50 million or whatever prize money. And, you know, after months and months of training, blood, sweat, tears, uh, bloody face, everything says, you know, keep your money. 
you know, I just did this to prove a point. Who can give up that money? Who, what character is broad enough and rich enough to palm, palm off that money? You know what I mean? So I think a statement like that is really big, you know, for a person's character. Um, so that's something that kind of you know, hits me about him. He's got loads of poetry. You should read it. Yeah, I think I would love if you can get a copy, um, I can add it to the show notes. So if anybody's interested in the podcast, I put my link at the top there. I would love it so much if you would subscribe and share it with a friend. Um, now that I've reached 100, it's pretty exciting for me. Um, and you'll be able to catch this episode and I will add it to the show notes. Um, so if anybody wants to read the poetry, um, I, I love spoken words. So um, I'm not a singer, but I love the cadence of poetry and the lilt and the pause and the energy or quiet that you can apply to it and how that can deliver so much meaning. Um, so I really, really, really want to add some poetry to the show notes. And um, Alexander, if you can make something available, um, you could either read it today while we're here in the Culture Factor Club on Clubhouse, or you can send it to me and, and we can take turns reading some poetry in Twitter land whichever um yeah sure i mean a bit of both i don't have anything to hand now but there, there's a book called war songs which we used a lot for the script and um that was translated by james montgomery who was the professor of arabic literature in, in cambridge and he's got a really interesting podcast actually on bbc four i think it's called antara in our time and he's talking with other uh, other professors uh, uk professors about about him and who he was and what he was and everything but um yeah we, we can we can try and find some of that the thing is it needs its time and space um and you know i went to visit somebody um he invited me for a cigar and um, i don't smoke cigars but i i joined him while he smoked this and a cigar meeting is means four hours you know it was a big cigar <laughs> and uh this guy you know he his family ruled mecca for a hundred years so um and i was so surprised at how you know, he, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's an ex-banker, but I was so surprised at how deeply he understood poetry. And we sat there for hours talking about this. And he was saying in like an Arabic, there's 50 words just for love. And, uh, you know, and they all explain different states of love from the, from the psychotic to the um, obsessive to the, you know, um, high, you know, or, or you know, obliteration, obliterated with, with love, things like that. And um, he was telling me that even in English, you're not even scratching the surface of the sophistication and grandeur of Antonov's poetry in English. And I'm taking a, a, I'm, my breath is like, I'm, I'm impressed with what I read in English. He's saying that the ancient Arabic, not the modern Arabic now, he's saying the ancient Arabic is, it's so, so sophisticated. Most people, even today's day and age, they, they're, just, they're just not there. They can't really grasp it. And um, he was saying because he himself uh, was a famous poet in Arabia. And when he was maybe nine, that famous poet came to his grandfather's house. And uh, the grandfather said, this guy is a poet. And the famous poet said, OK, read, read for me. And at age nine, he read some poetry, which I can't remember now, but it was very impressive. It was, it was talking about true love and for true love to be achieved, the cycles of 
the two people's life, they have to have that perfect uh, synchronicity, you know. It, but for a nine-year-old, it was very advanced. And uh, so um, I go off on a tangent here, but just to talk about like the fact that the depth of this guy's poetry. I mean, it was sewn in gold and hung inside the Kaaba before before the days of Islam. That's how highly it was respected. And what's more impressive is the fact that people had the capacity and the understanding to to even understand it and appreciate it, which is more impressive. It's a really cool concept. You know, when we think modern day, uh, I think the only equivalent we have is um, writing, songwriting, um, and listening to music and spending time with the lyrics to understand the depth of those and, and what they really mean. Um, you know, I think a lot of people look at music and say that it's poetry. Um, it might just be more the modern day interpretation of it. I'm not, I'm not saying that in modern day, nobody looks at poetry, but I don't think they probably use poetry or consider poetry alone as they might have done back in in the time periods that you're talking about um and and now our instead of stone and gold we have those gold records and platinum records so the the songwriters and uh the musicians behind that uh can put that up on their wall and it might just be the modern day equivalent i'm not sure that it's as rich uh, comparatively, but it's probably the only comparison that we really have. Um, so I would actually, this sort of brings me into the conversation around the, um, the soundtrack, the music that would be behind Antara, this movie. And I'm, I'm not moving away from our conversation about the rich culture and his poetry. We can certainly go back into that as it speaks a lot to the character, but um, I'd love to understand the soundtrack and how you might be developing the music to emote a certain um, emotion or feeling or the words. Will there, where the, will there be lyrics, uh, poetry uh, in, in the movie as well? Yeah, good question about lyrics and um, lyrics being in the score. Because sometimes what lyrics can do is they can... Uh, they can bring you too much to earth, if you know what I mean. With whereas music can allow it, sort of the 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 the, the um, give more of a escapist experience. You know what I mean. As soon as words come into the equation, it kind of just wakes you up a bit, maybe type of thing. Um, but we haven't written it off. But I mean, it, it's a good point of consideration. We we gave this project initially to um, Hans Zimmer, but there's some music that I had in my mind because I I there's a song I wrote on the piano when I was 16. And um, I came across a guy here on Clubhouse, actually, um, who reached out, who just loved the story and introduced himself as a composer and things like that. And I sent him across this music and I said, could you make me an orchestra version of this? Because funnily enough, I've, I've got a better understanding of music and the pace and vibration and emotion that it evokes all of that. I've got a better understanding of that than I can play it or understand I need the equipment that they use to compose these scores and you know the studios I haven't got a clue how to <laughs> how to operate any of that but uh, but I sent this to him and three months later he comes back with um, one rendition of what I had in mind and I was gobsmacked at how perceptive he was to really uh, you know decipher what I had in my mind um, and I think we're going to probably work a little more with each other to um, 
to explore that because I've got a yeah I've got a crystal crystal clear vision on um I don't know if you remember Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon they have particular or for example the Godfather everybody knows the Godfather theme it it's got a it's got a sort of a home theme that everything sort of circles back to so you can have derivatives of that home theme where it might go on to like a playful version or a or a hostile version or this or that or you know the Sicily version or the New York version but it all comes back into that central Godfather theme. Um, so what I have in mind is something very similar where we have a, a particular theme and then we have a waltz version, we have a battle version, we have this, we have that. And uh, I've got it crystal, crystal, crystal clear in my mind in terms of how the cellos interact with the violins and where the cymbals come in, where the trumpets play, what part of the movie this is for. Everything is in my head crystal clear. And I think um, I just spoke to his agent last night to go out to L.A. to spend time with him in the studio to work on this together, because I think videoing this and videoing the conversation of how we conjure up this. Um, what I said to him last night, I said, look, the music will, will create itself. We just have to go and do our thing and whatever, the end result will come out. So I think that's more of an exciting story. The fact that we met on Clubhouse, that it shows what Web3 is doing and like us creating this together rather than just, um, I mean, don't get me wrong, Hans Zimmer is phenomenal, <laughs> you know? But um, I, wanna, I wanna explore that because, um, Western orchestra has a certain set of notes and the Arabian sequence has 24 notes in their full sequence, whereas the orchestra has the octave. Um, and I think if we make it too Arabic, we'll lose the international audience. And because some of them might be too tangy for the, for the international ear. So we want to make it balanced with the right. Um, and that may, it may not be the notes we need to use. It may be the, the Arabic instruments like the, the oud and the, loose and, and things like that so um, we'll see we'll see wow to be a fly on the wall while in, when you're in LA and you're um, putting this together that'd be so interesting for people I think to see the um, the process I'm always I'm always taken by the process because it shows how the concept of anything that you're working on along with the chemistry of the participants um, create the finished product and that process or that evolution um, is sometimes where the magic is even more so than the finished product so you said it. Um, Spot yeah on. exactly you said it yeah, so please document that or I'm going to show up with my microphone and not be a fly on the wall, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you can be the lyricist. Um... Yes, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So let's talk some of the fun uh, little things that are happening at the start maybe of your roadmap. So. Alexander, as the producer of this and choosing to use blockchain technology, whereby your purchase of an NFT is part ownership of this movie, um, it also brings about opportunities to um, have some pretty interesting like prizes along the way and to be a part of a community that shapes the casting or maybe the casting of yourself in it. Um, hope I'm not speaking out of line. I'm gonna let Alexander take the baton at this point, but um, just to understand as a community who buys this NFT, what type of interaction um, and, and how involved can they be in, on, in the movie Antara? 
yeah, that, that's that's the idea with utility is to give people the experiential um, um, element of, of the movie making process to be involved and have, you know, be able to get a part in the movie or get producer credits or just, you know, even if somebody doesn't get a chance to come location scouting or be in the movie, it's still a fun journey to be on. You know, I, I really do see this as making history and um, I love being involved in the process and I, I love the journey, you know, and I'd hope that people would like the journey as well just to, you know, to see how this whole score is being, uh, you know, done, uh, how the casting process is going to take place, the costumes, you know, given the community, you know, you know, what do you think, what sword do you think we should use for Antara, this, this or this, or what helmet do you think we should use? Or, you know, we can say that we financed and produced and made this, you know, together and own it together. And that's a proud moment. I, I think it's a really proud moment, you know, once we've done that together and to say that, you know, we own part of the Godfather, we own part of 300 and we were there and, you know, I decided upon that helmet or, you know, I think it's really cool. It's never been really done before. And um, yeah, the idea was with the utility is to be able to give people as much exposure as possible, if not in physical, in real time, a virtual time uh, in virtual space. And uh, where as much as possible to bring people without jeopardizing the quality by spending too much of the budget on, you know, bringing people out and, and, and things like that, because at a certain point it becomes just irresponsible, uh, you know, and although people would love to, you know, hundreds, 200, 300 people would love to come out, but it obviously doesn't make sense um, to jeopardize the production for that. So along, first of all, I've always felt that the magic is in the utility um in NFTs. However, I think that um, some projects can be too ambitious for the individual artist, and it's hard for them to live out those experiences and and perks that they've created as utility. It's, it's not an easy process. I think it's different for an artist to create an NFT than just to, say, paint or take a picture. So, it's hard. And, and so it takes uh, a concerted effort and sometimes it takes a community of people to help you realize your roadmap. And you have a lot of people that you're working with on this. So, um, how is that, what does that community look like and how are you collaborating together to, maybe this is past tense. How did you collaborate together to create the roadmap that you did, and um, maybe you can walk us through some of the highlights of the roadmap. Yeah, sure. So uh, with with Antara, uh, the movie production, and um, so um, just on on the production side, for example, Stuart Sutherland, he's just finished Gerard Butler's movie in Saudi. It was a fifty million dollar movie, and um, why I chose him and why I wanted to work with him is because he's got the experience of working in the Alula and um, Neom. Uh, the northwestern uh, desert region of Saudi. Um, and because it's a new market, I mean, they had a 30-year ban on cinemas, uh, which just lifted in 2018. And if you're going to work in a new territory like that, you need re really, really experienced people um, who've got the experience on the ground in the desert with a lot of Hollywood experience and, and Western experience as well, you know. Um, so he was a no-brainer to sort of collaborate with. And um, and then Tarek Ben Amar, I mean, he's been a fantastic help. He is the head of the Red Sea Film Festival. He was uh, a Prince Walid bin Talal's media advisor for about 20 years. Um, he just financed House of Gucci. He did Michael Jackson History World Tour. He managed the whole thing. He took over Harvey Weinstein's library. And as a Middle Eastern person in Hollywood, there's no better 
balance between you know of, of anyone other than Tarek Ben Amar because he's he's Middle Eastern himself, but he's very big in Hollywood, and you need that character who understands the Middle Eastern landscape as well as the Hollywood landscape. So I strategically sought those two out in particular because you know, and then uh, on the choreography side, um, I saw that Richard Ryan who did the battle scene for Troy uh, with Brad Pitt and Eric Bana. I wanted him because he had a really unique way of choreography and um, so I, I sought him out he did batman as well he did vikings for for, for netflix and um, and you know i just it's all about connecting high level dots you know to do something really high level and if it's something as ambition it's all well and good but you need to make sure that the right people are in the right places the right pillars to uh, to make sure that everything is expedited and um, our director very similar genre he's done 700 million dollars in his last six movies um, his last movie was like 260 million box office. Um, and, you know, it was just, I chose all the, I really sat and thought about who's the best person and, you know, to get for, for each of these things. So, um, so yeah, ambitious as it is, we've got the right team together for it. And we've already got a, a distribution offer for uh, North America already. 1,500 screens with 15 to $20 million P&A, print and advertising. Um, so, I mean, yeah, just as as a Middle Eastern production, I just think it's insanely exciting because, I'm, as I said, Antara is the Alexander the Great of the Middle East, and he's also, um, you know, his story is the Romeo and Juliet of the Middle East. And when I was telling people on the space the other night, when I went out to Monaco last year, I was introduced to Princess, uh, one, one princess from Kuwait, and uh, I was introduced to the producer of Antara. And she said, no way, my, my two parrots growing up, one was called Antara, one was called Abla. Abla's the woman who loved you know, so um, so yeah, it, it was just it's the perfect situation for for the Middle East. And then on on the NFT side, obviously that's a different management process. We've got a different team and Twitter, uh, you know, social media, and um, Discord, um, the development team, engineering. It's a completely different world. You know, splitting my brain in two. Um, so you know, roadmaps are all well and good as long as you've got the right teams, collaborators. I always say, dreamwork, uh, teamwork makes dream work. And so on the play to earn game, for example, Dominic Ryder, he's taking over all of that token launch. Um, sorry about the silence, this is quintessential London. It's uh, always the case. So yeah, you know, with, with, with uh, a brief roadmap, you just need the right partners to, to, to expedite everything. Well, it sounds like you have a lot of really uh, incredible people that are going to help you do this. How was it received so you have the two sides of the brain working. Obviously, you have the the NFT community uh, with Discord channels and developers and all that. But all of those people know that language and have been living uh, that dream, if you will, of u- utilizing blockchain technology um, to create. Um, how was that received by the directors and the different players? players that you sought out to say, hey, I'm going to be the producer of this Hollywood epic movie. Uh, It's a great story with a rich history. I want you specifically to do it. I have handpicked you. Um, However, it's going to be 100% funded by NFTs. How did did you share that message and how is it received? Uh, Because not everybody is comfortable with that yet. Um, yeah, in Hollywood, they're fine with it because at the end of the day, it's, it's um, you know, they want finance projects, of course. And, um, you know, when I told the uh, other guys on the production side about it, they just thought it was, 
you know, Stuart thought it was ingenious. Um, you know, it was never done before, and you know, it was just everyone. Everyone's up for it. Everybody's excited. And the cool thing about the movie space is we have what no other industry has, which is uh, tax credits, which means we don't even need to full finance the full thing um, with NFTs. And we did it in such a way where we might have some person who knows the story of of Antara, and they just say, I, you know. Here's ten million. I want to. I want to fund fund the full thing. That's possible, you know, as well. So we did it in such a way where we we kept some of our allocation for uh, the public, retail, and you know, collectors and things like that, and we kept half for institutional and and you know, bigger investors or VCs who might just want to come in and, and own the actual production with us type of thing, you know. So um, but it, yeah, it was received really well. It was exciting. NFTs like a re- redefine how people perceive things and. I mean, even our distributors, we met at Soho House here, they came to meet me in, in, in London um, a few weeks back. And he was saying, look, as a production, this works. NFTs or no NFTs, this movie is fully fundable as it is, and it's distributable as it is, you know? Um, so we, don't, we didn't need the NFTs, so to speak, but, you know, if we could disrupt an entire industry and make some history and just make it that much more authentic, um, I think it's amazing. And Antara is the underdog of underdogs. You know, a black slave born in the desert who reaches the height of heights, you know, to become a nice aristocracy, to become the apex of, of a whole nation's language from a black slave in the desert. It's it just, you know, and there's a lot of parallels with what we're trying to do here in, in Web3 with crypto to replace a sort of archaic, redundant system, which nobody will miss. You know, there's, there's a finer way to do things. And um so I, yeah, there's a bit of parallel between Antara being the underdog, and being an underdog in Hollywood as well by doing things this way through through uh, Web three as well and Film three. So it's 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 uh, it's cool. I think it's really cool. Um, I have pinned to the top here the link to the movie, and there's a trailer there that you can see. Um, if you also subscribe to Culture Factor, um, you can listen to our full episode together and all of the links are on there as well so if you don't have a chance to pin it here you'll have a chance to pin it to uh to grab it there um let's talk a little bit about um some of the fun giveaways since i'm having my hundredth episode i'm i'm like really happy that we join hands to have this conversation um at this point in time for me um it kind of happened uh organically all of a sudden i was editing your podcast and realized what number i was at which is kind of funny that i've been so heads down i didn't even notice that um so let's talk about some of those like fun prizes or 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 things that you have i know we looked at uh you know fancy cars and rolexes and stuff like that and it's really cool that you've integrated some fun things in there um you know it is hollywood right so do you want to share a little bit about what the nft means to somebody who decides to buy share in antara yeah, so we put in these things because it's kind of in line with our branding direction. Um, we just, we're just about to sign with a company called Premier Mission Group, which is one of the biggest agencies in the world. Uh, we were speaking before that to William Morris. Um, and uh, Premier Mission Group, they used to represent Naomi Campbell, Claudia Schiffer, um, Cindy Crawford. Um, the only one they turned down was uh, Kate Moss because this, the guy's sister who ran the agency uh, he took her that side of things. She, she thought that she was too short. And turned it down 
Um, but they represented all of the big ones. And um, since then, they went into like representing big brands and things like that. So they're going to be representing Arabian camels on the branding side to sort of redefine and define and redefine uh, where we show, how we show. And we want to go in the direction of like powerboat racing, Formula One, Porsche Super Cup, um, you know, uh, same type of places where Rolex advertises, you know, sailing and things like that, polo. And um, and even things like, you know, people with Soho House, people's, people in the creative industries, basically. So, um, so yeah, we, we wanted to just do a few giveaways that are going to be along the lines of, of those things. And um, it's a celebratory giveaway that when we sell out our collection, we can do these very visual, interesting giveaways where we can have like drones and, and you know, whoever wins it, uh, we can deliver it to them personally and record everything on It'll be an interesting thing to have on social media and great buzz within the within the space, and um, it's just again again it's a bit of fun. We 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 factored into that. We've provisioned for that within the budget to be able to give back to the community, certain things, and um, you know, uh, I don't know. Some people have said like we shouldn't be doing that, and um, but it's too late. We put it on the roadmap, so um, <laughs> yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, though. I think. You're, I think it's okay to align your product with luxury goods and a certain level of um, just luxury experiences. Um, I think people do that all the time. You know, I, I come from a background of luxury uh, hospitality. Um, I worked in Five Star, Five Diamond, member of Relay and Chateau Properties. So there was always that cross-branding happening. There was always that relationship where, for example, the gift shop would carry, you know, Brunello Cuccinelli and Loro Piana and, you know, brands like that. And I think that if it's the look that you're going for overall, um, why reinvent the wheel? Maybe it's easier to collaborate with brands and have the overall look and feel be luxe, have it like, I mean, I'm just looking at, for example, the background on your avatar and it totally speaks Louis Vuitton to me. Um, that may have been by accident or intention. I'm not sure, but I think that that's actually cool. I, th I think identifying where and how you want to be seen um, is is part of what we all do, right? Um, so I think it's actually good that you did that. Yeah, you know, there's a, a bit of a niche area of the art market as well, which is a little bit, you know, a little bit classy, a little bit, uh, a little bit uh, sort of pop arty. Like uh, I love Andy Warhol, for example, and some of the camels, which you'll see when we do the reveal, some of them have that sort of dotted background Andy Warhol uh, sort of vibe going on. Um, and you're right, it sort of does look like Louis Vuitton because we wanted to have the type of things which can be in like Bel Air Fine Art and um, like we were going to have some on display in, in Monte Carlo, um, Bel Air Fine Art as well. And they wanted to do some collaborations with us and LA. And we even wanted to do like a, a collaboration with Alex Monopoly as well. Um, so yeah, it's a very, a very, very specific area of the market that we, 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 you know, we're going for with um, this branding agency. It will take time to build, but you know, good things take time. I mean, board apes are, are a different kettle of fish. You know, it's a different culture. 
um, very sort of, uh, again, I don't want to trash a project, but there's a bit of a sort of a frat boy uh, culture there, a little bit too much toxicity for my liking in some cases. And again, I don't, you know, we can't speak for all of them because some of them are I'm friends with, some of them are, you know, decent, or, you know, there's, you know, a couple of, um, a couple of bad experiences there with, with some of them. But I mean, um, they've done great doing what they're doing. And I, I want to take the more of a measured approach with what we're doing to sort of build out the brand um, with a different, I think it's already happening. The type of people who are in our community, I, it's already taking place, I think. And, they're, you know, yeah, there's just a very specific type of brand I want to try and curate over, over the years. I think you're achieving that. And I think it's okay to take a different approach. Um, you know, what Board A Yacht Club did was disruptive. They kind of were like, the first and the biggest, but it doesn't mean you have to emulate what they do. Um, and culture, <laughs> you know, my, my podcast was about company culture, uh, in the beginning before it took this direction. Um, and you know, it is really a top down thing. So board ape yacht club, the culture is from the top, you know, the, the people who created in the beginning, it's the culture is not, uh, the community and, they they adhere to it maybe or they morph into that um and i think in your case you're just establishing something that's unique to you so i i think that's great i don't i don't think you should try to be something else i think you should i i love the approach that you're taking and the biggest thing is the fact that like the, the sort of narrative that we're, we're sort of promoting but you know it, it's basically asset-backed nfts uh, NFTs that have ownership of something in the real world, because um, you know one guy, Queen Gambi, his her, her she was in, in London we having dinner, and her uh, sort of manager was sitting beside me, and he said he's very knowledgeable, like um, on this whole space, and he says when when the water when the river goes down, you'll see who's swimming naked, and what he's talking about is that most of these projects of 2021 all will probably go to zero eventually because they don't really have anything except for hype. And, you know, there's, there's nothing to substantiate the value of some of these NFTs um, at all. So at, at that stage, if we do have an NFT where people are owning IP through this NFT, at least that's not something I think will dump. I mean, you know, even the, the first collection we did at one ETH, um, the floor price was like 300 ETH and then it you know went to like, one and a half, one point three ETH or something like that. But nobody would dump it and sell it for half an ETH after paying an ETH when they know that there's IP attached to it. You know what I mean? So it's it's clever in that respect, and that's why it's got some long term uh, value. That again, not financial advice. This is just our logic in structuring this whole project. It's very very cool. I I should uh I'll need to connect you with um one of the people I interviewed that does very large scale events, um, he does like Coachella and the Masters and NASCAR and a bunch of really, really high profile events. And it sounds like um, it would be a good introduction for you uh, maybe to create some collaborations or maybe I can help with that. But I, I, I definitely see what you're doing. It's, it's really, really cool. Um, so, Alexander, um, what am I not asking you? Like, I want to allow you to share what's so unique to the Antara movie. And we've talked about 
culture and we've talked about Antara and poetry and maybe the similarities between uh, us all, regardless of the country. Um, we've talked about branding. We've talked about your community. What, what have I not asked you? Like, what would you like to dive into a little bit here today? Yeah, I suppose on the culture side, I mean that that's actually my my favorite part of it. As I said, all all the stuff about the DeFi and yield farming and and the structure and the IP and it's kind of just like you know semi financial stuff that we have to talk about. But the real heart and soul of this project is really in this character Antara, and there's a reason why we're discussing him 1500 years later, and we don't know any single person from his tribe. Why do we only know his name? And I think it it really like it fascinates me to see a person. Or know of a person who's done something and especially this, this is not even a particular feat it's just his character that has made him like this his character and his tongue and here we are 1500 years later marveling at some of the things he did and said i just think it's it's really interesting to find out what what separates people and what gives person a person a different heart where they just propel themselves into you know in, into immortality practically with how they lived and how, you know what is it you know what i mean and um i love just the stories of, of great people men women time through ages um but with this guy in particular there's just something completely unique about antara which i don't see with, with many other people I've, I've sort of researched you know and um i think the movie business as a business as an industry it has that response it has the power to light up the world it has the power to change inspire people change people's lives fix people's lives give them answers to questions they don't really need to be asking like you know some people i always see in life some people are in like situations they just just don't need to be in you know what i mean and movies have the power to fix a lot that's wrong with the world but i think it's also a contributing uh factor to a lot of the problems in the world a lot of the bad culture a lot of the propaganda a lot of hate a lot of this a lot of that um so movies have that responsibility i think and to get masterpieces out there with the top directors and with the top stories, something that can really jerk people's imagination and jolt them and make them sit up in their chair. That, that's what I think we need to see more of in Hollywood. And the industry as a whole has become so redundant and so stuck in the mud and muscle bound by their own, by themselves. That's stopping. We haven't seen any of that come out in cinema. We just have more Marvel, more transport, Transformers or whatever. And, you know, they make billions of dollars, but, what do they do? You know what I mean? Um, so that's what I'd love to see more stories like this and more um, characters like this coming to the cinema to bring some, uh, bring a bit of, I don't want to say light to the world, but you know what I mean? Just bring a bit of, inspire people. Where humans are there to be inspired, you know? It's very interesting. I have this conversation often with my husband and my son that it's, really, really annoying for us to try and find a movie we all want to see now. And we exhaust it. Like we go through Netflix and Amazon Prime and Hulu and HBO Max and Apple. Like we, we keep jumping around to different ones and we look and we look and we play the trailers, which I love playing trailers. That's like a little known fact between my son and I, like we can sit and watch trailers for like an hour and then be like, oh, okay, I'm done. <laughs> we never even sit down and watch an actual movie. But um, the problem that I have 
is that all of these movies over the past decade or more have become so formulaic. It is such a clear cut and obvious recipe that gets, you know, edited onto the screen that I'm bored by most of what I see now. And I feel as though there's so much effort put into music and who they hire to play the leads and to have as much action that is produced via digital, not even like real action, to keep us engaged. And yet, I leave the theater, it's flat. I wasn't really entertained. There was really no story because the story was like every other story for every other adventure or, you know, thriller that's out there. So me as the consumer, I have been so disenchanted with my choices. Um, I think a lot of the more artistic, smaller films that you that are shown at say South by Southwest or Cannes or, or something like that are trying and have always tried to be more rich and cultural and relevant and deep and not formulaic. And so I'm excited that your Hollywood epic is aiming to be more like that, to to be that big movie that people want to go see, a, a blockbuster movie, but to be surprised and delighted and be presented with something that is not formulaic. Um, so I'm excited that you're going to do that. And I'm wondering, how is it possible in the confines of 90 minutes to two hours? Like how what are you doing to try and ensure that you keep that you keep it authentic to that yeah that that's a director's job thankfully <laughs> but i mean in terms of like the script um we put all of the main points of his life and especially the, those that have a real cinematic grandeur like there's a big horse race scene in the desert well, you know two tribes you know tribal pride is at its peak and the, the stakes are high you know the, the scenes like that so all of the main points from Antara's life are, are there um, and a few you know you can't cram it with examples but there's a few examples of his his, his grandeur of character and um, his poetic prowess and you know his approach to romance and um, you know it was done in a very clean way because we had to not because but one of the things that we had to get this script approved by the Ministry of Culture and obviously it's a conservative part of the world and we, we couldn't, you know, we didn't want to offend any cultural sensi sensitivities um, by anything inappropriate being in, in the script. But irrespective of that, that's my opinion anyway, that movies, like, Jack, I love Jackie Chan's uh, opinion on movies. He says, I, if I can't watch the movie sitting beside my kid, I'm not going to be in it. What he means by that is if there's any, like, anything bad in it, um, he, he, he doesn't want to part in it. Simple as that. And... Um, so I like that, you know. So I think with for productions that will be involved in the future, it's going to be along the same genre of, you know, inspirational stories that that should come to the world and and lift humanity instead of um, dragging people down with with uh, you know habits and outlooks and and ways of thinking that, that don't really need, you know. So um, but yeah, you you are right to get all of this crammed. I mean, his his book is five thousand two hundred pages, 
one of the main translations of his life, 5,200 pages in English. And uh, it's deserving of a, you know, four or five sequels, definitely. Did you say sequels? Of course. <laughs> that's great. All right, cool, cool. Um, because that's probably one part of the formula that doesn't bother me, especially if the story is so rich and you want to like continue to the next one. So that's really cool. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a part of the world that really has so much rich uh, sort of, like they've got such a rich storytelling culture. I, you know, you know, people were saying before, you sure you want to do a movie in Saudi? And I'm thinking like, okay, there's the, you know, the CNN Saudi, and then there's the Thousand and One of Arabian Nights, Arabia. Same place, two different perceptions. There's a, that ancient poet, uh, not ancient, but the, the old poet, uh, Khalil Gibran, he said, you have your Lebanon, I have mine. Same place, two different sets of eyes, you know? So um, I see, you know, the dunes and the, the, the you know, the horsemanship and the, the wisdom and you know there's there's a lot of mystique to that to those ancient parts of the world and uh, collectively i think all humanity like it's kind of the cradle of civilization so we all resonate with those themes of the desert and horses and camels and just that way of you know that, that whole that, all of that symbology we all get it i'm often asked does my business need a podcast my answer is yes that nothing else is the fast track into thought leadership and being established and seen as the expert in your industry as podcasting. What's increasingly evident is that it's a branding machine. It kicks doors open for you to have conversations with leaders. It creates a pathway to partnerships and connections on a deeper level. You will not be your industry's best kept secret. Your ideas and business will have global reach. So step into your power. Go to hollyshannon.com to launch your podcast now. And now back to our interview. Since we're talking about locations and as we wait for maybe somebody to pop a question into the back channel, um, Alexander, I'd like to, oh, we have someone coming up. So let me bring her up. I would like to, um, before she asks her question, as we get her up here, I would love for you to talk about um, some of the locations, I understand that you have a crew that is getting acclimated at this point. So I won't share anymore. I'll let you um, share the goods on that. Oh, with the acclimatizer. Uh, yeah. So th these guys are in uh, that base camp. So they're just, um, you know, when you're going to the peak of Mount Everest, you have to uh, go up, spend a little time uh, higher and then come down and do it a few times. Um, so they should reach the peak of Mount Everest in... Um, uh, mid-June, sort of 10th to the 15th of June. And um, that's going to be sort of marking our one-year anniversary, uh, pitching our flag on the, on the peak of Mount Everest. And uh, and uh, people are probably thinking, you know, what does that mean? But it's just part of our branding strategy of, like, think different, um, you know, be a free spirit. You know, we, we've got a plan for an Atlantic crossing and an empty quarter crossing, which is between Oman and there's a place called the uh, Anantara Hotel in Abu Dhabi. It's like a seven-star luxury castle bang in the middle of the desert, like incredible, incredible location. And so it's like a five day journey through the desert on Camelback, some of our community members, um, you know, five, five to 10 people. And uh, just a desert experience on Camelback, um, you know, coffee in the desert at nighttime and the whole, you know, campfire and all that sort of thing. And then two days luxury, and then um, back to our respective places. So just things like that we're planning to do together. And 
big, big roadmap that is not even on our roadmap on the website. And um, yeah, mix of sort of business, cultural, DAO stuff, movies, productions, um, and then asset ownership together as a community. And then, yeah, and then in terms of the, like the shooting locations, that's, that's in Neon, uh, Northwest Saudi Arabia. It shares an ancient trade route with Petra, which is, you know, Petra and Jordan. They've got all of the architecture carved into the wall. So in Neon and Alula, they actually have more, um, but the world has never seen it because it's been closed off to the world for, for years. And uh, that's another reason why the Ministry of Culture was really keen to um, support this project because they want to show that desert to the world. Really amazing, incredible desert. You should watch some videos on it on YouTube or, or pictures. Um, but yeah, and I, I saw in the back channel, as I uh, sorry, not in, in the chat that uh, Hiromi's um, uncle is the head of the, the uh, mounted archery or horseback archery, which is again plays a really it's almost like a character in the film. Horseback archery is, is a thing, and it's an incredible sport. I, I saw that, Hiromi, that's very cool. I saw that too, and I and I'm so glad you caught that. Um, I would love to introduce Sherry McCracken to to the stage with us. Um, she is an award-winning indie filmmaker, and she is a creator and producer of the indie series 48 Blocks. It's a modern-day Atlantic City drama, and she's co-owner of Little Rock Films. She's also a professional photographer, a blockchain and NFT product developer, and a Web3 Film3 onboarder. And I met Sherry a while back. She has been a huge supporter of my work as well. And I'm so glad um, that she has come up to ask a question. So Sherry, let me pass the mic to you. Wow, thank you for that introduction, Holly. I wanted to say congratulations on your 100th show. Um, I listened to it this morning. It was fabulous. And uh, thanks for reminding me to go out and, and give it a thumbs up and a review. I'll do that for you today. Antara, um, you know, I'm a big supporter of your project. Uh, obviously, we've been uh, talking uh, camel camel, everyone here. And my question, uh, and I think how you could maybe help everyone out is to uh, talk about the differences between your two different NFT drops. Um, I own uh, four camels now, two of each. And I think, uh, you know, it would be valuable if you haven't talked about this already to explain the different ways to get involved and the different levels of buying into the project. Yes, absolutely. So, um, so the difference between the Arabian camels, the original project, and, and this Antara movie NFT, and um, the image of both, by the way, are both camels. Um, the differentiating factor is the Arabian camels, are, like here, T. Fred in the audience has an original Arabian camel. And then the new ones, uh, or the, the Antara movie NFTs, the, different, the sort of differentiating factor is it's got a little Hollywood clipper on the top right of the, uh, the image of the NFT. So that shows that it's affiliated with the IP ownership of the movie. So the first collection we did, um, we're sticking to the brand and we wanted Arabian Camels to get all of the kudos, all of the sort of limelight, all of the recognition for, for doing this production. Um, so we wanted to stick with the camel theme. That's why we used it again in the in the Antara movie NFT. And um, we have a game which has already been, you know, deposits have been paid for already. Uh, a game, a play to earn game, and a token launch for Q3. 
Um, in fact, we just had a uh, sort of a podcast about two hours before this this room with uh, Dominic uh, Ryder, who's the CEO of the Empire DAO Protocol. So he's running that whole side of the project and just back to the sort of you know ambitious roadmap, you have to have collaborators. So he's got the experience on the tokenomics to do all of the game and token launch. And the Arabian Camel uh, is required to play that game. So the more people that play it, the more in demand uh, Arabian Camels uh, will be. And, um, and then again, just in terms of like branding and the things we have to do with like giving some to celebrities and things like that. And um, we want to do that with Arabian Camels. Um, the Antara movie NFT is, yeah, that's, that's to own the IP of the actual movie itself. Um, and both collections have full access to all the utility of, of the movie as well. Um, to buy an Arab Arabian camel, I think the floor is 0 0.04, 0 0.05 at the moment. Um, that's on OpenSea. It's got a blue tick verification. And the Antara movie NFT, they're minting on our website as we speak. Um, we've given allocations around the world. So we've given some to a gallery, a different gallery, marketplace here and um, so they're going to be done in tranches in their own time and um, but yeah on our website you just mint and it'll connect your wallet and you can mint one of the movie nfts and it goes straight in your wallet and we're also going to have uh, a fiat on ramp built probably tonight so people will be able to just buy the the um the nft with their credit or debit card as well just because, you know there's a lot of people coming into this space who cannot be bothered with or don't have the time let's say to go into the whole MetaMask situation or Discord or get involved in crypto, but they do want to own an NFT or they like a project. So they can just go on the website and buy with a, a debit card. I think it's amazing that you are reducing the friction and making it available to the other 90% of the world that isn't involved yet in like blockchain and so forth. Um, but I digress. Uh, Sherry, um, you know, I, I love that because you're in the similar space what do you see about this project that you might want to incorporate into some of the film work that you're doing yes i'm really looking at this as a master class and uh just following along you know we're all learning uh we're all new uh we're all beginners in this space um as indie filmmakers and just really looking at ways and innovative ways uh to get past the gatekeeper uh that's my big thing these days is you know i'm trying to sell a series as an independent filmmaker and it's almost impossible uh to get in and and get seen um but and believe it or not because everybody says well there, there's a need for content right now everybody wants content well it, it's not that easy as an indie filmmaker if you're not in hollywood uh it's a much different path um so i'm just learning along the way and that's why i'm really bought into uh this project uh because i believe that ontara uh is giving back uh, to everyone uh, that's supporting him and his project. So um, I, every day I'm learning something new. And and I think he's one of the hardest working guys in uh, Web3, Film3 right now. So I'm here to support him and learn. Well, thank you, Sherry. That's, uh, yeah, I appreciate it. And it's, I'm delighted that, you know, people are being able to benefit and learn or even replicate this model. And, and um, you know, so this, this is like one of the visions you know, I had was to, you know, make it a hub for people to come and bring their experience and learn and share and, you know, generate alpha and share alpha and just sort of, yeah. So, I, yeah, I really appreciate you saying that.
And I just want to add that, you know, I think we have to be careful in this space, in this Web3 space, even though there are a lot of firsts that are happening right now. Um, we have to be careful not to become the gatekeepers of our own new world. And uh, we do have to share and uh, lift each other up and learn with each other and support each other's projects. Um, that's the only way we're going to change the Hollywood model. And we can do it. Um, and uh, I'm on my soapbox, but I believe we all need to, you know, join hands and support each other on this. And that's what I see, um, Alexander. I see you doing that, and uh, really appreciate that. Yeah, big. Yeah, I really appreciate that. And I mean, it's really cool because people are coming in. Like, uh, there's a there's a company called, oh, goodness, I can't remember now, but it, it's they're planning to be the Netflix of of the blockchain. And then you've got things like FilmHub.com. Um, which just raised about maybe six million from, I think it's um, Anderson Horowitz. Uh, they're like a, they're kind of like sitting in a unique position between all the streamers, and then the streamers, all of them stream from them or something like that. But it's a really interesting model. But you know, all of these people are coming into the space, so you're you're totally right. We all have to help each other, uh, huddle with each other. And some people are great in the distribution side. Some people are great in the financing side. Some are great on on other areas that we may not have been. Um, you know, just anticipated at this stage. So, um, yeah, it's, it's all about us just uh, sort of defining this space together as we go along. And, and you're right, you know, we don't want to be our own gatekeepers. And, you know, there is already a little bit of, I, I don't know, it's not, it's not gatekeepers, but there, there are some areas that's in the market that are already being dominated, for example, and um, which are making it hard for people to come in and get their projects seen. And, and a big problem there, I think, is the, the expectation that uh, a project has to sell out in three minutes to be successful, or it has to have all this hype, or it has to, you know, mint out immediately and, and things like that. And it's just not the case, you know? So as the dust settles in this market and more people are coming in with good quality projects, which, you know, you might need to mint 10 a week for the next eight weeks or something like that. And if that's the case, so be it. So the more we speak about these the market like this and let people know that it doesn't have to be that degen culture of last year, then uh, the better it's going to get for all of us to just get things done without um, killing ourselves, you know, because otherwise it, the, the workload and the amount that you have to spend on marketing is just, it's insane. So, um, yeah. Yeah, and we all bring a little bit of a different skills to the table too. You know, you I appreciate what you have done in uh, financing and distribution, and I'm learning from that. You know, I really need for my project, you know, a million dollars an episode uh, to do it the way, or at least a million dollars an episode, depending on the names attached, to do it the right way. Um, so just learning how to change that model, things that have been done in the past and things we can do now and in the future, uh, like I said, to get finance, not just to make the project, but to get seen and to get bought by maybe a bigger streamer that's out there so that you can make your money back and you can go on to make other projects um, of that caliber. And that's why what you're doing by raising I think you're at 30 million you want to raise now for this. Um, this is a much different playing field, you know, and um, there's there's plenty to learn and plenty of new things we can be doing uh, to, to not only raise that kind of money, but like I said, get bought, get distributed, be seen and build our audience. Absolutely. And, you know, you've got the tax credits to, to consider as well. So even if you do need a million dollars per episode, um, there are territories out there that are giving, you know, 
between 40 and 50. And that could be a, a point to consider. And then, um, you know, um, it could be done in such a way where you just do a few episodes at a time. Because in this space, to do between half a million and a million as a whole drop, you know, at the 0 0.05 level, is a lot easier. A lot, a lot, a lot easier than what we're doing, you know. Um, I, I, I don't I, don't quote me on it, but it feels like if I had to do that now, with the amount of work that's been involved in this one, it would be a piece of cake to do 0 0.04 ETH project. Um, so with what you're doing for like a million dollars, you know, 0 0.04 for the first one, and, you know, I don't know if you're planning to get some of the community involved in the creativity and, and things like that. Um, but there's others that can support as well. Like, you know, there's different platforms like Mogul um, that are popping up. Um, yeah, so like, like we say, we just keep holding space together and more people keep on coming into the space and helping and collaborating, right? Yeah, I feel like we always come back to the conversation about culture, right? Like how we develop this new culture in Web3 to maybe take the best parts of Web2 or relationship building or partnership creation or branding deals and, and bring that into here and make it a little different. I love that you're doing things different. And I'm glad that Sherry pointed out that it really is like a masterclass for a lot of people. Um, I'm, you know, even in the podcasting industry, there's a lot of old methodologies in place um, for raising money, um, for getting brand deals and sponsorships. So it's the same type of beast we're all fighting. And it's nice to see that there might be some new ways of looking at it that Web3 is introducing that. Um, and at the end of the day, um, you know, the old saying, a rising tide lifts all boats, never fails. That saying never fails. If we all truly, authentically, from the bottom of our hearts, join hands and help each other, raise each other up, we can, I think, impart a, a new culture together. That's just my personal take. Yeah, absolutely. It's sort of, you know, people coming together and uh, we're sort of at the forefront of it where all of this conversation and the, the cream of the conversation just rises to the top and it sort of dictates the, the way things are going. Uh, that's, that's exactly what's happening now, which is really interesting because this is where the culture is actually being made in, in these clubhouses and Twitter spaces. And, um, you know, it, it's very interesting to see. So uh, exciting times. Thanks again, Holly, for this space and Ontario for your project. Uh, I have to go to an old Hollywood meeting now at one o'clock. So uh, thank you again and uh, keep up the great work, Holly. Thank you, Sherry. Thanks for coming in and listening and sharing. You have been a huge advocate. You have definitely been somebody who is all about that rising tide. So thank you for your contribution. Alexander. So what have we, I feel like there's something, a few things we haven't talked about yet. So I don't want to, I want to keep this room going. Um, you know, maybe you can share like a smaller story about Antara. Um, I know you had talked about how he would only fight um, in, in a, or an area, he'd only fight the best person and then he would not take the spoils. Um, but do you have like maybe a small story that you can kind of uh, give us the the mental visual on it? 
Um, yeah, I mean, not, not all of them were so sort of uh, serious and grand and epic. I mean, there was one where he, um, he there was a bull that got loose in the market, uh, marketplace, and um, he ran. And afterwards, after the mayhem, uh, some people walked up to him and said, "You know, you're you're you know you're Antara, you know, you're supposed to be brave. I, I heard you ran." And it's like, yeah, but the bull doesn't know I'm Antara. So that's that's one of the things in his. Uh, in his uh, in his stories that was said quite a lot like he had a sense of humor it was just he had a very broad character you know very generous and very um like brutally brave like psychotically brave and then when it came to you know areas of when he's talking about abla the woman he loves it was just you know like swan lake you know uh, masterpiece so um but no i can't i can't sort of single out any stories right now it's just the you know it's just when you go through and read all of the, all of the poetry A to Z of that book, you know it's just it's striking. I mean, he, he says one thing like my my wounds never have time to heal. That's how much they were engaged in just fighting. Um, barbaric as it may have been, it was it was it was their code, and uh, you know it, it, it's a difference. It's not like you know being in the boxing match with Vaseline on your cheeks and you know a gum shield and a and, and a referee. This is swords, you know and dancing with death that many times like all of his main poems are about uh there's a battle involved in one of those poems and that's just, i think 47 of the main poems imagine going to battle 47 times you know and then um, people people you know it, it's 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 not in this era where we have to think about it of course but um it's just a lot of things when you when you read about them it just really makes you ponder i think wow there's there's nobody big like that in this era why because there's no there's no lifestyle for them to live, you know? So, um, yeah, interesting. That's really cool. I'm also thinking about some of the things you spoke about earlier, like the hotel, for example, where you're going to have a big event and the epic camel ride under moonlight and sipping coffee along the way with your camel. <laughs> Um, all those things like that. that to me, like I, like I said, I, I cut my teeth on luxury hospitality. So this hotel just sounds amazing. Um, how did you find it? Why did you decide to partner with them? Um, and can you give us again, sort of that, um, visual by words? Yeah, it's just, I don't know, there's some similarities. It's called Anantara Hotel, which is kind of a coincidence. And they say, I don't know if it's true or not, but they say that Antara got stuck in quicksand close by to that area, which is one of the reasons why they called it that. I don't know how true that is, but it's just like we wanted to do something for the one-year anniversary. And this is kind of the year where we've, like, we're kind of ready to go with the Raven Camels. And it's taken a heck of a long time because a lot of things that happened along the way, for example, like just different management and things, you know, just a lot of things that happened along the way. I mean, I, I remember I've got screenshots here of some things on Twitter where, because we dropped just after Board Apes, people were saying this is the next Board Ape. And I've got screenshots of all this stuff and they're kind of like, um, like, yeah, I mean, they kind of went to war with us as in like, um, uh, there was a rule in the Discord to like uh, not talk about Arabian camels and like it, it was a bit of a headache at the start. Like I, I never responded to any of it because I just, you know, it, it's 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 giddy stuff. Like you know, but um, like 
yeah, it, it just it got off to a really good start, and then along the way, there were some challenges with yeah, as I said, just with management and things. You know, I I was not uh, I was involved on sort of the movie production side. Um, and didn't have the capacity or bandwidth to be doing the um, uh, the NFT side of things, you know what I mean? And just, you know, but I think things could have been really, really big for us last year. But, you know, as the cookie crumbled, it didn't happen that way. But now, I mean, we're only like maybe 300 away from a 2 ETH floor price. And as we go along with our, our brand, uh, sort of um, the agency, who's going to take over uh, sort of the branding side of Raving Camels, and as we work more with VCs and DAOs, I think we're primed to have a nice upward trajectory rather than shooting up like the projects of last year and then struggling to maintain that. I think now I kind of, funnily enough, I like the way things have happened where we're just gradually going to be able to, to go from strength to strength. And yeah, so to, to do our first year anniversary, we wanted to also do this crossing between the empty quarter and this particular hotel. And um, why? Just because it's camels and it's a desert experience where five to ten people can go through the desert on camelback and, and just have that experience, like I said, just coffee in the desert and tea in the desert and just, it, it's a nice experience. I've done it before in Morocco and it's, it's a heck of an experience. And, um, you know, you go out and you, you just stay in tents under the stars and stories for the grandkids, you know. So, um, but we're waiting, for, we, we've submitted a, pro- a proposal for like a cultural collaboration and sponsorship partnership with the hotel so we're waiting to hear back from them if they'll do it or not and if it goes beyond may and um, we can't do it until some other time in the future because it's too hot in the desert number one and two we've got uh big things uh, in we've got uh four or five stages we're on in Cannes film festival for what we've done here and um, so from 19th of may obviously that's gonna take our focus all the way to the beginning of june so we'll, we'll do it if we can if not we'll, we can push it forward to another time very exciting stuff. Very. Um, it's it's almost hard to imagine that by buying the NFT, the share, you might be able to be a part in some piece of all of this. It's really exciting, and I'm I I know that um, I pinned my link to the top again so that people can um, listen to our episode together. Um, I believe we have, I have put in the show notes, your discord channel so they can be a part of it that way. If they're really, um, into using that medium, um, but there's also the link to buy the NFT to mint on there. So, um, it's really cool stuff that you got going. This is really cool. Yeah, I'm excited for the, like, once the movie, because we only need to do, let's say, three minutes, uh, and then we're greenlit for the production, and I'm looking forward then to being able to, um, yeah, really focus on this branding thing. I think this is going to be a lot of fun, um, of what we're planning to do there with with Arabian Camels. And again, this is why we just wanted, because some people say, why didn't you do a separate project? Why didn't you just call it, you know, um, and, you know, just different, different image, different everything, and... The fact of the matter is when we announced this, we had like, I think that month we traded like maybe 270 Ethereum worth of camels. And had we have not done it, there definitely would have been complaints. It's kind of like, you, it's like damned if you do, damned if you don't with community sometimes. Half of them will be happy with you, half of them will be unhappy with you. And um, some people don't get all of the facts or they, they disappear for six months and then they arrive after six months and not know anything and then they'll complain. And then once you've explained everything, they just disappear again. And you, you deal with a lot of that, you know? Um, 
but yeah, so I'm I'm looking forward to it anyway. When once these this uh, movie NFT is is uh, underway, then um, yeah, all of our plans with actual Norwegian camels. Looking forward to that. Like we just launched our our brand, sorry, our merch our merch line as well, which we're adding to and building on, and then um, yeah, obviously the game and all that kind of thing. So looking forward to all of that too. I think it's hard. You know, I hear what you're saying to please everybody. Um, and I think because Web3 is so new and this concept of funding a Hollywood Hollywood movie with NFTs is new and groundbreaking, um, it's not always going to be perfect. And I think as a community of people that buy into the concept, I think that you have to be open to shifting and changing. Um, not necessarily that you have shifted or changed the narrative. You actually have evolved it into something more robust. And I believe it's probably going to be hard for some people to see that. Um, but I think that you have to be a little fluid when you enter into something like this. And you have to also be open to it being created differently than the first one. So if, for example, Board 8 Yacht Club is what people identify as the epitome of the NFT, the experience, the roadmap, the whole thing, if everybody emulates that, then it's almost an, a monopoly of ideas and it squashes our creativity and we're just at the beginning of this so i'd rather bump along a little bit with a program like yours which maybe you had to change a little bit you had to pivot a little bit side to side to get to the sweet spot where you are now but you've been open like you've been sharing your whole journey and you know, you've probably never said from the beginning, I'm the expert and this is the right way to do it. You've just been in it, creating it and, and moving and shifting in the best way possible to make the best product and the first NFT funded movie. So I think it's hard when I hear about these communities and the conversations, there's also a lot that's hard to understand when you read text all day long. You know, text does not uh, denote like feeling. It's really hard to understand. Like I could read something from somebody and be like, wow, they sound really pissed. <laughs> and then, and then you could read it and be like, wow, they sound really passionate. So we all, like, I think it's really hard to navigate a discord community and keep everybody happy. I just hope that they recognize that you are, that you're doing this from the heart. Like this is like a really meaningful venture that you want to get right so that it is something that people would want to emulate. I'm sorry. I went off on a tangent. No, Al you're good. I mean, there's, there, there's definitely a lot of that in this space as in like, you know, we had one guy who said, uh, you said the, the first collection is going to fund the movie. And then, I explained, I said, that does not make mathematical sense. How can a small 0.04 ETH project uh, that's going to probably generate between one, one and a half million dollars uh, fund, you know, what was then the 45, 50 million dollar budget movie? I said, how, is that how does that make mathematical sense if that were the case? And then someone else said, uh, you said the movie was fully financed. 
And I said, if the like, pick a lane. You know what I mean. You can't be a bit pregnant. You know, um, they're both as adamant as each other that both of these things. And you, sometimes you just have to bow out and like, you say okay. And um, like we had one guy who disappeared for yeah maybe six months, came back with loads of fud, loads. And then after every single question was answered, one by one, he said okay, and he just disappeared. But but after he caused a big load of mayhem. Um, and this happens, like you say, it's difficult on text. We had a DAO who, um, you know, uh, put in a vote to back our project recently, and most of them were saying no. And there was one in particular who was um, raising loads of red flags about the project, like loads, like everything. Like, um, and then we did a public space, Twitter spaces, hour and 20 minutes. By the end of it, it was a 97% vote yes. And they've just passed another vote to, to pretty much double double that. Um, because that's what happens when, when you have the time and space for people to ask questions and actually get the answers. It's a different situation. But a lot of the time, people are, are you know, just waiting you know, when moon, you know, when 10x. Um, like last year, like when it was 0.1, you know, people bought this when ETH was 2.4, I think. So everyone's, you know, even if ETH is 3, 3.5, everyone's in profit. And then if it goes to 0.1, they've made five times their money. But it still looks as if, He's done nothing. You know what I mean? And uh, you can't please everyone. You know what I mean? But um, all you can do is just keep rocking and rolling. We'll get there, you know, slowly but surely. And our community is like mostly like that's phenomenal. Like always there, showing support. Like all these camels and the you know they're here, they're supporting. And the the good thing about that intrigues me about these guys is they know the story of Antara, and um, but they always come and show show up. You know what I mean? Um. And some people put in suggestions, some people make introductions to DAOs, to VCs, and that that's what makes a, a community special, you know? So, um, yeah, bit by bit, but we're, we're getting there. I love your intention, though. Um, just as an aside, um, can you give a definition of a DAO? Um, I do try to, on my show give an education that's basic. And we've kind of thrown out that acronym a number of times. And I recognize we're in a room with a lot of people who might be more familiar um, with it because they're part of your Antara family. But I think there's some people who aren't. And this replay may be um, repurposed on Culture Factor or by you. So do you mind giving a description and giving it a little um, context? a decentralized autonomous organization so that's what it stands for but can you give a little description yeah so it's just it's a it's a group of uh you know a certain number of people and they all have votes and some have um, some have more voting power than others and there's governors and they they operate as a as a consent you know as as a as an entity driven by consensus on particular things so some will vote on what coins they should back some are not always sort of financial so to speak some of them are about um you know um just it's it's basically an organization which is driven by voting and and consensus and that's my understanding of it and i'm I'm not even an expert on on DAOs and um and things like that i i, I myself am learning more and more um but um, the one who who wanted to uh, back us for example they invest in various different things um and some might operate like that, but they may not call themselves a DAO as well. They might just call themselves an, an investment consortium or, or what have you. But I think it's just the governance and the voting power of varying members. I think that's one of the things that sort of defines them. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. I, I feel like 
you know, we throw around a lot of terms when we start talking about NFTs and Web3. And I think it's important to back up a bit and give explanations and then a little context, like in the case where you're at, how you utilize the DAO for your Antara movie. And then when you put in context, people absolutely get it. Yeah, um, you know, there's, there's just so many things like this space is new to everyone, you know, even people who've been in it for three years, that this is, you know, it takes, you know, the NFT space is like, I always say it's like a newborn baby, it looks different after two days, it looks different after, you know, six weeks, and it looks different after eight months. And it's just changing so much. And um, the culture is changing so much and the expectations are changing so much. And, um, you know, so um it's changing day by day. And I feel sorry for people who are coming into the space doing a, uh, like expecting, they, they don't really, they don't, nobody knows how much work is involved. They really don't know. So they're coming in uh, thinking that they're going to sell out in three minutes, a 10 K collection piece of cake. And, um, the reality is, is you're 24 seven, like literally going. And, um, as in it's not sustainable as in, if I were to live this lifestyle for, for Three years, I'd end up in hospital. Fact, you know, it's uh, they, you know, it's uh, and I, I, I don't think it was that hard at the start because it was a, you know, it wasn't so saturated at the start. I remember our, our you know, yeah, we, we got off to just a really lucky start. Like it was just the Discord just filled up naturally. It was just, you know what I mean. But now, ah, it's really, really different. Really different. Well, I think there's a lot of spaces now that are becoming saturated with the conversation. I know I'm on several different discord channels and I'm overwhelmed by it all. So when we all first started, maybe we had like one or two channels and maybe you came in at that right point in time. Um, for me, I, I have to say, I find it all very overwhelming now. So I can see why, some things happened uh, organically for you and now it's requiring a different level of um, your interaction. I also unfortunately wholeheartedly believe that there's a lot of hustle culture that has um, grown into this Web3 space. Uh, and I think it was born of the fact that Wall Street closed at four four thirty Eastern Standard Time. You know, opened at what the, the bell was at eight and closed at four, whatever the timing was. And blockchain, where a lot of Web three technology lives, is twenty four seven three sixty five. Um, so I think a lot of people started off with um, trading. You know, um, Bitcoin, Ethereum, whatever cryptocurrency and playing around with fiat at the same time and realizing that when they shut off with dollars, US dollars, they were able to keep going with Bitcoin and trade and, and do whatever work they wanted to do. So sadly, uh, Alexander, I don't think this hustle culture or the fact that we can trade, buy, collect and sell at any hour of the day is going to change. Um, so I think we have to take a look at what we want to do personally yeah you know you're, you're spot on it's like you, you don't see the end in sight and then um, maybe we'll get to the stage where i don't know if people start uh you know observing weekends again because uh, i don't know but um 
it everyone it's not just me by the way this everyone i speak to is and this is not just crypto it's just the pace the world has has has, has acquired everyone i speak to is just very busy and i'm not complaining around here i mean this is the path we chose and it's all good and it's for a huge cause and a great cause and you know and it's part of the it's part of the package you know and and if it was easy everybody would do it it's as simple as that and um you know but uh but definitely at a certain stage um things will inevitably calm down a bit you know so um it's all good so i'm really excited alexander that we were able to share something so important together um as you know when i interviewed you i honestly had no clue where i was in in my editing cadence that you were going to be number 100 which is just really cool that i can celebrate with somebody that cares about the process and creation and appreciates um what i what i'm doing um as well so um I'm really excited that we get to do this together and I'm really excited that we're not done. <laughs> um, I'm hopeful that people will subscribe to the show and listen to our episode together and maybe send questions to us um, in social media. Um, we're gonna be on Twitter spaces tomorrow doing this again and it's an opportunity for us to maybe um, go a different direction in the conversation or answer questions we didn't get to today because of course we're not miracle workers, right? We can't get it all in. Um, yeah, just on that note as well, I, I know you're about to close this one out, but I just wanted to say to uh, LaRock, I know you had some um, uh, questions there in the chat and uh, we're gonna have an AMA tonight. Uh, so please do come, uh, all of these questions, um, please feel free to just, um, I know it's your room, Holly, and I didn't want this, to this sort of go too far from the culture factor in the conversation uh, um, but by all means Laroc, please come to the um ama tonight and, and discuss all of that and um you know we, we're getting an award tonight uh, arabian camels for um just innovation for what we're doing disrupting spaces decentralization democratization of the movie business uh, we're going to have that tonight and so we'll be going there and then after the award ceremony we'll come back we'll have the ama and then um uh, yeah, so it would be great to, to have you there. And I uh, didn't want to be rude and not, not address that. Um, uh, so, yeah, it would be good to see you tonight in the AMA. That is it's, awesome. Uh, 6 Eastern, I think. Uh, no, uh, yeah, I think 6 Eastern. It's, it's in the Discord, but yeah. But please do come. Is that going to be just in the Discord or is that going to be in like a Twitter spaces or a clubhouse room as well? Yeah, uh, AMA, because uh, I think like, you know, Family matters, stay in family. And like, I, I respect it a lot when people bring up suggestions and like, what I don't respect is when people FUD with no background knowledge or uh, facts or information and then just come and make a mess and then after you clean them up, they disappear. But what I really respect is if people have concerns, ideas, suggestions, problems, anything like that, come and bring it up in the AMA where we can discuss it as like as a family. Um, and then things in twi like Twitter spaces, it's promotional. Like we all want camels to do well. We all want it to succeed. We all want it to do uh, to to go from strength to strength, to go to higher floor prices, and and get more brand exposure around the world. Um, and we we don't do that by by um like, um, you know what I mean? Like we, we we I think doing things like that, bringing up concerns privately, so we can at least have the chance to address them, fix them, implement the suggestions that people are coming up with. And um, we've got a steering committee now, which is going to start this week. Um, which is like our top collect, not only our top collectors, but 
you know, really prominent and helpful members of the community to come together to put their thoughts, their brains, their suggestions, their what even what resources they can bring in terms of like media exposure and just things they can help to, to further the cause. Um, so yeah, so please do feel free to come to the AMA. Uh, Holly, you're welcome, of course. Uh, everyone's Thank welcome. you. Thank and, you. Uh, the Rock had his hand up. I don't want to be rude. Um, I, I, I don't want to. Uh, I know it's your room, and it's uh, we're supposed to be focusing on culture. So I'm gonna leave it up to you. But uh, I don't want to be rude. But uh, no, 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 no. I I don't want to be rude either. I just wanted to make sure that our talk together here was a follow up to the podcast we created together and your project. Um, and you know, in Clubhouse, we are a community, and I do want to hear voices and ideas and thoughts. Um, I think probably, you know, I did notice a conversation happening in the hallway, um, and it's very relevant, but it's probably very relevant to your uh, product and what you're creating and the, the history of it versus the podcast we did together. And that's the only reason why I, I was holding off. I wanted to make sure we stayed on point. Um, I don't want to exclude people, but I also wanted to, um, look, I'll be honest, I'm celebrating my 100th episode and I'm excited for a movie to be released um, on the blockchain as the first ever NFT produced movie. And, and that's what we were here to talk about. So, um, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I it wasn't that. out of I respect that. Yeah, um, I'm I'm really excited um, that we did this here today, and I'm really impressed, Alexander, that you are opening up that space tonight on the Discord channel with the people that are in your community that maybe have some important questions for you, and that you are going to have it within the community because you know what? That person might not be the only one who has that question, and now you can address it in the right forum. And, and so I think that makes sense. And, um, last but not least, um, I also put the Spotify link up at the top for my show. Um, would love it if you follow the show and in the show notes, you will find a link to the discord channel so that you can in fact join, you can buy an NFT, you can be a part of that community and all of that is available there and so i'm so excited for you alexander this was amazing and i with i'm going to hand the mic over to you i want to thank you for coming on culture factor again and i don't think we're done yet because i think we're going to do this again tomorrow on twitter all good you know i appreciate it. i appreciate it i appreciate you putting these spaces together and um you know everyone that's interesting everyone's uh, ambition everybody's like uh you know, life, vocation sort of fits into each other's, we all fit into each other's sort of, uh, sort of, um, how do you say, um, you know, it all fits into the jigsaw nicely together, you know, so I appreciate you doing these spaces where we have the space to share and, and talk about it and, um, you know, and, uh, you know, it, it was a nice space and I, I, I definitely love the cultural side of this project. It's, it's really what drives me most is, is really the deep cultural aspect of this and the poetry and the culture and, Again, we're in the NFT space, the Web3 space. Usually we're talking techie stuff. Um, but So this is a breath of fresh, <laughs> breath of fresh air. So um, I appreciate it. And, and You're I, welcome. A big thanks to all of these like ph phenomenal camels there. You know, Rob, Foezy, T, Fred, Corny, Melody, Daryl, uh, Farrell, Jason B, Sai, you know, um, Hiromi, uh, 
we're we're horseback archery buddies now and denise and steve like you know thanks to everyone and um yeah i guess we'll see you guys the next time yeah thank you so much for coming everybody thank you again alexander and um we hope you will follow along and share the podcast and maybe share this replay and um follow us because we have some more surprises coming down the pike thank you everyone i hope you have a really amazing day whether it's morning or night or afternoon for you thanks